You know, when we looked at Sparta Global, when it was originally founded, I think very soon we realized that the traditional talent attraction is excluding, and you know this from your business as well, it excludes much of UK's highest potential business and technology talent because everybody's focusing on that two-one. They're focusing on the degree. What university did you come from? People are hiring people like themselves. And so what we tried to do with the model was innovate, you know, this higher train deploy approach was to solve that problem. But also, I do believe that the future of tech talent must be reflective of society today. So it needs to be innovative, it needs to be creative, but it needs to be inclusive. And that is why, you know, when you say, why is that the most important thing? But for me, I'm most passionate about the EDNI aspect because of the fact that we're passionate about bringing people from diverse communities, irrespective of their background, leveling that playing field, giving them an equal opportunity to work in tech and digital, no matter what their background. And so for me, EDNI, it's not about ticking a box. It's not about giving lip service. It's absolutely and completely beyond tokenism. It's about actually doing the right thing, putting that purpose way ahead of everything else. Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs, with me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Pranima Sen. Pranima is the Chief People and Compliance Officer at Sparta Global Limited. With over 20 years of experience, she's known for helping businesses grow faster. Named one of the UK's top 50 aspiring tech women, she's a big voice in promoting fairness and inclusion at work. Pranima believes in inclusion with a purpose and is known for her can-do attitude. The latter, along with her exceptional communication skills, Make her a cherished thought leader in the HR space. Welcome to How We Hire, Punima. Thank you very much, Linnea. And that is a very kind introduction, I must say. Thank you very much. We've got to, got to set the scene here with who we have in the room. For the people that don't know you, would you mind just like Chief People and Compliance Officer, Sparta Global, can you tell us a little bit about your role and the company that you work for today? Certainly. First of all, a big thank you for having me on your podcast I am Pranima Sen, as you said, Chief People and Compliance Officer. Really, I think if we break that up into, I always break it up into two, two, but today I think I'm going to break it up into three. You know, Chief People Officer, very much about the human capital. The company is all about its people. We are a people business, and for us, people come first. And that involves everything to do with the human capital and human resources. From a compliance perspective, I am really ensuring that the company is keeping up with its quality standards, the ISO standards. I'm also looking at legal the contract side of things. But then now with the new ESG and you know corporate social responsibility coming in, that becomes really a part of compliance because for me, that is not just risk management anymore, but it is about value creation. So compliance is a big thing. But I think my favorite hat that I wear within the company is as director of EDNI, really focused on that EDNI piece. And to give you an idea of what Sparta Global does and why that becomes so important is Sparta Global was is a HTD provider. So we call a very niche model called a higher train deploy model. So as it says, we are hiring a diverse group of individuals, a diverse talent. 
That could be graduates, non-graduates, returning to work mothers, gender diversity, ethnic heritage diversity, neurodiversity. So really all those things. We're hiring them in. We're then training them in tech and in digital. And then we're deploying them, as it says, hire, train, deploy with our clients for two years, at the end of which the client takes them on permanently. So this is a really good way of clients growing their diverse talent workforce right from the bottom and really planning that future workforce and also ensuring that while they do that, they're meeting their EDNI targets, their EDNI strategies. So it was basically founded to promote and provide equitable access to technology careers whilst helping organizations to grow their talent pipelines, but doing it sustainably and responsibly. So we're very proud. We're the only B Corp HTD provider. We're the top 20 employer of social mobility, winner of the Princess Royal Training Awards. I could go on, but extremely proud of what I do, extremely proud of what we do at Sparta Global and really thrilled to be working here. Yeah, wow. How come the third aspect of your role is your favorite? Why does it make your heart beat a little faster? You know, when we looked at Sparta Global, when it was originally founded, I think very soon we realized that the traditional talent attraction is excluding, and you know this from your business as well, it excludes much of UK's highest potential business and technology talent, because everybody's focusing on that 2-1, they're focusing on the degree, what university did you come from, people are hiring people like themselves. And so what we tried to do with the model was innovate, you know, this higher train deploy approach was to solve that problem. But also, I do believe that the future of tech talent must be reflective of society today. So it needs to be innovative, it needs to be creative, but it needs to be inclusive. And that is why, you know, when you say, why is that the most important thing? But for me, I'm most passionate about the EDNI aspect because of the fact that we're passionate about bringing people from diverse communities, irrespective of their background, leveling that playing field, giving them an equal opportunity to work in tech and digital, no matter what their background. And so for me, EDNI, it's not about ticking a box. It's not about giving lip service. It's absolutely and completely beyond tokenism. It's about actually doing the right thing, putting that purpose way ahead of everything else. Yeah, for sure. And it, I mean, when you describe it, it's also, it's more than just, as you say, like ticking the boxes for an organization. It's about what type of society we want to create. Who do we want to be able to impact that society moving forward. So it's important on so many levels and it impacts or has the potential to impact so many levels. One thing I find fascinating here, Panima, is that, I mean, you've witnessed firsthand the shift of recruitment over the years. So in your view, what are some of the like more significant changes that we see companies doing how they're approaching hiring today compared to, say, like a decade ago? A very good example now is, for example, Santander. You know, they've dropped that whole piece where they want only first-class students, only students with two, one degrees. And I think a lot of companies are now doing that. They're realizing very quickly that their traditional recruitment methods have realized that when you look around, you have got exactly people like yourselves. You've got a whole room of you know, white males, and that there is no problem with that, but there is no diversity of thought if you have, that's what you have around the table, that's what you have in your company. So companies have proactively realized that this is not sustainable. We need to bring a more diverse group of people into the business. And to do that, we need to change the way we hire. We need to change, for example, 
how we use our job descriptions. Let's change the words. There are some words that work for women. There are some words that don't. Women will self-remove themselves from an application if they see certain words like powerful or go-getter, you know, though they're all of those things, they remove themselves. So I think the companies, you know, to answer your question, they've changed quite a few things. I think the way they write their job descriptions have changed, the way they hire themselves, you know, have changed, the way they use maybe psychometric tests and do much more, many more things that remove that unconscious bias. And that's the big thing that has changed. But uh, some companies say they've changed it. Some companies say they don't have that unconscious bias. But I don't know if they have actually gone into detailed study and analysis and said, actually, I think that we were not having unconscious bias, but the truth is we are and we need to change. So some companies absolutely ahead of the curve, changing it. Some companies making small changes and some companies in the perception and in this dream world where they think they've changed it, but they've actually not changed anything. Yeah. On that point, I think, A, the change is fantastic, but it's too slow. And I always found it fascinating, like the gap in recruitment between theory and practice. I mean, in the world um, assessments, we've often talked about, you know, meta-analysis being conducted in, I think it's, there's one big one from 1989. And people say, oh, it's so old. How can we trust it when it's so old? Yeah, but you still haven't done the change. So even though and like new ones are being produced, same outcome, but they're still like not closing that gap. So, I mean, I agree that there is a lot of positive change, but it, it would be great if, if that movement was faster. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, to add to what you've just said, I think people, and we do that from at Sparta Global, we, would, we really focus on attitude, aptitude and potential. And I think, you know, people need to focus on that. Does this person have the right attitude? Do they have the right aptitude to, you know, because they might not have the right aptitude for a technology business. And that's fine as well. And potential. Where can we take them? I don't know if you've noticed, Alinea, there's a huge shift now into trying and hiring returning to work mothers, women returners. We're doing a big thing in that. But that's because suddenly people are not looking at the CV and going, oh, 10-year gap. What have they been doing? I don't want to hire them. Everybody's thinking differently or everybody should think differently. And it should be about actually what does this person bring to my business? They bring an experience of bringing up children. They bring an experience of definitely multitasking, you know, how can I work on a laptop while giving my children something to do? They're definitely creative because they're having to find creative ways to entertain their children. And they're efficient and they are organized. They are all these things. They bring so much to the table. X-forces, they bring an amazing amount of organization to the table. So instead of looking at the CV and saying, oh, they have no experience in this sector, they come from the forces. Well, guess what? They bring so much more to the table. So, you know, to your point, to the, the change is slow, but there is many different ways of not focusing on the CV. You know, and I think you say it all the time. It is you're so much more than your CV. You know, hire people, don't hire CVs. You know, you see that everywhere. I wonder if people are actually doing it in practice. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that I find interesting in this discussion is this with like culture fit. A lot of companies will prioritize hiring for a culture fit. Like we need someone that fits us and we're so unique. Why is it that you believe that this approach might not be the best for today's recruitment landscape? You know, a lot of people talk about, and this is it's quite common, I'm not saying anything new, 
but people talk about, oh, it should be about culture and not culture fit. I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say it's about both. Because, you you know, when I talk about aptitude or potential, you know, you also need to hire somebody who you know will be happy in that environment. And that is also important. You need a culture ad for sure, but you also need somebody who doesn't come in straight away and feel this is not the place for me to work. We need to set people up for success. And that could be two different things. It could be really talking them through the company or through the culture or through the values of the company, really understanding from them what they can bring to this, but also second most important, and this is where I, you know, the difference between diversity and inclusion is diversity is hiring a diverse group of people, access to the business, absolutely. But inclusion is belonging. If you do not create that place, so you can bring in all kinds of people and say, oh, this is not, this is not culture fit, this is culture ad. But if you're not creating that environment of inclusivity, you are going to have uh, going to have zero retention. These people are going to leave. So it needs to work in you know, a little bit in both ways, but internally as well. We bring in culture ad, but when we look at our culture, we also need to adjust that to make sure that when we're bringing in culture ad, the person is completely not lost because we've actually got a very specific culture that we're expecting them to mold into, to become chameleons. You know, people are not chameleons. People need to be themselves. They need to be, I don't know, lizards. (laughs) (laughs) We all could use the lizards every now and then. I mean, I think that's interesting with you need both the culture ad and the culture fit. How does an organization strike a balance? Like in your recruitment process, how does one go about catering to both? Yes, I think very good question, actually. And I always say, you know, if you can't change the the direction of the wind, you change the direction of the sail. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to make sure that internally you are actually creating that sense of value amongst everybody. You are buying from people internally to say, this is how we're going to work, to bring in different people, to bring in a diversity. And I know people have ERGs, employee resource groups, and there is a good place for somebody to go to if they're a particular type. I'll give you an example. We're really working on neurodiversity, bringing neurodiverse skills into tech. Now, I call it culture, but it's culture of a different type. They need different things. And I I'd hate the word reasonable adjustments because I think all adjustments are reasonable. So if you have to interview them slightly differently, if you have to give them the questions beforehand, if they don't like to switch on their video and they want to do an interview without switching on their video, that should be fine as well. We need to make these adjustments to make the space that we're bringing people into the right space for culture ad and for culture fit. And this is where we start by change, not changing ourselves, but adapting ourselves, making that change internally before we bring these people. You have to support and train and nurture talent and diversity will foster growth and performance. But you cannot have that diversity if you don't make them feel inclusion. So tackling inequality in skills, empowering this next generation of leaders, advancing your own EDNI target, all of this that you have this mission, like we have this mission to democratize digital will only come from really bringing that culture, adjusting the culture of the company to allow these people to flourish when they come in. On that note, can I try and hypothesis on you here? In my mind, it's also really, really important to be very transparent with what it's like to work here. Like for me, that would be culture fit, not the organization 
letting the candidate prove themselves to be valuable to the organization and to therefore be a fit, but more of the organization showing who they are so that the candidate can decide for themselves if they believe that they're a fit or not. Like, what's your thoughts? You have absolutely hit the nail on the head. And this is in the long-winded way that I was explaining the previous answer was exactly that. We all have a culture in, in the organization and we have to understand that. And for me, you create that culture of, you know, we have values within Sparta Global. We want to live by our values. You know, our values say that we are collaborative, we're flexible, we must be innovative, we must be inclusive, we have diversity, we have drive. And we want to stick by those values. And so, yes, you are absolutely right. I want to bring in people who feel the same values as me. That is a culture fit not their ethnic background or their gender background. That's not culture fit. This is the right one because do you feel the same values? I mean, if you don't, then possibly this is not the right place for you because if your values are not the same, if you're inflexible, you're completely uncollaborative, empathy is one of our biggest values and you feel about I have no empathy. Well, that's then not the right space for you as against, I always turn it around into not, you're not right for us but this is not the right environment for you. This is not the right space for you. This is not where you will flourish because you think slightly differently. And it's an empathetic way to view it. It's not you jumping through hoops to dazzle us and impress us. It's about finding that like matching. I guess on that note, to some extent, how can you differentiate between like general culture fit and like unintentional bias during the hiring process? Because, well, I didn't, look like you or you didn't look like me and therefore it's not a cultural fit. How does one solve that? In my opinion, we have got to start using AI a lot more. And then there's that also that question, is AI empowering underrepresented voices or is it silencing them? You know, that's also another question. But I think if we take away quite a lot of that work, from individuals, from, you know, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, there is an unconscious bias. I start having a conversation with you. I start interviewing you. I love skiing. You talk about skiing straight away in my mind. Oh my gosh, you know, we have so much in common. And we're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> we're friends now. So it doesn't matter, even if you're doing the most simple thing of just finding out what are your hobbies? You know, what do you like to do in your spare time? What book are you reading at the moment? I ask that question all the time, you know, what book are you reading at the moment? And if they're reading the same book as me, am I going to go, oh, that's perfect. They're, they're exactly like me. I, I like them already. So I think we need to take away quite a lot of that initially. I do believe we have taken away photos, for example, from our CVs. We have uh, requested to take away things like he, she, so not using pronouns. So it's really difficult to tell who the person is. We want to go a step further. We want to also take away sort of educational background because again, that tells you which university you went to. So it's not about naming the institution, but it's just saying, what did you do in your background? It's much more about your experience through your education. That is what is important, not where you got that education. Your experience through your education could be you were, you know, leading the treasury or the students union. That says so much more about you because it shows your skills. And then I think really working on, you know, how many people are interviewing. Is it one person deciding? But for me, those tests and, and you know, people have a, have a problem sometimes with psychometric tests. And it's not just psychometric tests. It's just not personality tests. It's just having something that is completely not biased and looking at people through an absolute 
clear glass and saying, this person for this role actually is right. It's the person and the role, really not the educational background that fits in it or their socioeconomic background that fits in it. And if that works, and I think then we take it to that final stage of interviews, because you know by now that actually these are the right people. The shortlist looks like they're all the right people. They can all do the role. They all fit in beautifully. They would all love to work here. They would all thrive here. Now it's a question of having a conversation. Yeah. And it, it sounds like measuring what matters, like sticking to what's actually important for the role, setting aside the book or the skiing or the institute of education you went to. It's about sticking to what's actually relevant here. If we dive even deeper into recruitment strategies, can you help me here define the concept of hiring into your gap? I think that's a fascinating topic. Yes. You know, the digital skills gap is something that everybody has been talking about for years. And, you know, we have been talking about it a lot and we were really focused on closing that digital skills gap. But also, I think that when we wanted to do that, we wanted to do so sustainably, as I said, but we also wanted to make sure that we were doing it for everybody. We were really bringing people that could have the potential, the attitude, the aptitude to work in digital, to work in tech, no matter what their background. And it's very complex, isn't it? Identity can be very multi-layered, for example, with each layer being a complex based on the intersectionality. I could be a woman, but from an ethnic black background, but I could also have a neurodiverse condition. And so I'm suddenly now the intersectionality of it. I think everybody has something amazing to add in the tech and the digital space. Everybody does. If we're creating products for the world as a whole and everybody to use, how can we then allow only a certain group of people to be part of creating that product? Because if the product is going to be used by a woman, a woman from a you know, minority black heritage or from somebody who is also on the, you know, has ADHD, then we need to create that product that appeals to that person as well. So closing the digital skills gap is one thing, but really not only using that opportunity to bring in that diverse emerging technology talent is becomes incredibly important. And for me, we do two or three different things. And I think that becomes really important. Grassroot level working, closing that skills gap, as you call it. All companies must do work at the grassroots levels, you know, working with workshops in schools, bringing more girls into tech, showing them what it can be. I saw something very interesting recently where what is the common thing between football and tech? And apparently it is that girls lose interest very quickly because we don't tell them what they can achieve in it. And I think that skills gap, and again, I'm not just talking about genders, but I'm talking about really bringing together passionate people, tech-driven approach to innovation, deep commitment to your clients, helping to unlock that value of technology, the power of democratizing digital, and bringing in those people into the tech space who suddenly realize that actually I love the space. And, you know, for me, that purpose goes beyond profit. And that is really important. You need to have a purpose as a company to say, we really want to democratize digital. We want to make sure that there is an opportunity for everybody to come into digital. And that's the only way we will not just close the digital skills gap, but close it 
authentically, genuinely, and with purpose. Yeah. And it's almost, I always get this saying wrong, but it's almost two birds, one stone. Ah, I got it right. Whereas it's both about giving the opportunities to a more wider audience, but it's also about solving the lack of talent. Because if we open up the space to different types of talents, we will no longer have that like shortage of talent that everyone is struggling with. So it's an interesting dynamic how it can tap into both these aspects and solve huge problems. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Linnea, you work with talent all the time. This generation of people, you know, I'm now talking about just the young people coming into the workplace. They have a very different idea. They have a very different way they want to work. And I talk about this all the time, but I talk about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, you know, it's changed for the youngsters these days. At the bottom is your compensation and your benefits. In the middle is your well-being and health. But the top is purpose. They want to work for companies that have a purpose. And that's why by doing good, all you're doing is attracting really good talent because talent, good talent, wants to work for good companies. They want to work for companies that have a purpose and then do good. And companies want to work with companies that do good. So, you know, all of a sudden you've got that whole big chain happening where if everybody has a purpose and says, well, I'm going to do the right thing, for attracting talent, for bringing people into my space, into my company and giving them that opportunity, you just pay it forward. It just works well. Yeah. It feels like we're solving like world problems here. You and me. Absolutely. How can companies pivot their hiring strategies so that they can focus on like, what are they lacking and in turn cultivate a more diverse workforce? I think I probably state the obvious linear by saying, really look at your hiring practices. Do not have an, a perception of them that they are working or they're okay. And that comes from data. That comes from data analysis. Look at your entry-level people. You know, what are you attracting most? Suddenly you'll find, oh, yes, actually, we're only attracting male or we're only attracting a certain ethnic background. Look at your middle management. You know, who are the people who are getting promoted? Who are the people who are actually getting great performance reviews, again, you will see a trend. Really look at yourselves, you know, look at your board, look at your senior management. Once you've got all that data, you will have sort of, you know, I call it diagnostics, you can call it needs analysis, or you can call it triage. You've then triaged yourself to say, okay, well, here are the problems. You look at your problems, think about how you can change that. I am attracting only male. Okay, does my job description does my advertisement on the job board, can I look at that? What is the process I'm going through to hire? What sort of psychometric tests am I using? If I'm using a coding game, if I'm using a coding test, is that putting off some females? You know, if I'm using a coding game, is that attracting more male colleagues because they love that, but the females don't? Who do I have on the interview panel? You know, how have I described the role? You know, everything needs to be looked at. And then you change what you think needs to be changed, make small changes so you know what's working. And at the end of it, analyze again. Analyze again and say, yes, that's worked. This has really worked. Using these tests has worked better than using these tests. I'm going to start using these. This is helping me really bring in a diverse workforce. This is bringing me, helping me bring in a diversity of thought. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to say we don't have time. We really don't have time sometimes 
make sure you've got somebody in your company who's constantly looking at that. Make them responsible for it and it will change. I think that's like surgical precision with the use of data is such an important aspect. One thing that I find difficult to almost discuss is that I think most people will agree that like diversity is great, inclusion is great, let's aim for that. Then the reality again, like the gap between theory and practice. But is it diversity at any cost? Like where, quotation, (laughs) Uh, like is that a strategy that more organizations should actually use? Or is it more of like, let's make sure that our processes are good enough so that we open up the opportunities like how far should we go here like I don't know what's can you wrap your head around this I think that and again you know this is from experience of what we've been seeing yes everybody says oh the key to unlocking tech innovation is hiring a diverse talent today but you're exactly right you know how how does that work and what is the actual ways of doing this I think quotas are something that people could give lip service to because you can say, well, I have a quota, I've got to hire into that that quota. But I think having targets is not a bad thing because if you have a target, then you are forced to look at your hiring practices and change them slightly. At the end of the day, everybody wants the best person for the job. And that is fine as well. There is no harm in saying, I want the best person for the job I have a target. How do I make both of those things work? You will absolutely find the best person for the job and you will be able to meet your target if you change the way you hire, if you change your hiring practices and you change your processes. So what comes first, in my mind, I think it is about setting those targets across the company and saying, we really need you to have a diversity of thought within this area. And this is the target that you have, you need to relook at how you're hiring. And that will force people to actually have a look at their hiring practices, their processes. And I feel that it will all come with that. I think it's about knowledge and it's about wisdom, isn't it? Knowledge is, there's a very famous saying, I might get this wrong, but I'm going to try. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, tomato, tomato. But wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. You know, so it is about knowledge and wisdom, two different things. And, you know, having the knowledge that actually I need to do something about it, having the wisdom to actually doing it right, really important. I love that. And let's not put tomatoes in a fruit salad. I think the you make it sound so easy and simple, but it really is about getting everyone on board and understanding what is it, what is it not, so that we're fighting for the same cause. And I think another super interesting concept that that you champion is inclusion with a purpose. Can you shed some lights on this and its significance in modern recruitment? I think that again as I said earlier, you know, I think purpose comes purpose beyond profit, you know, for us that that is really really important. And that is what drives us forward in Sparta Global because we don't just want to close the digital skills gap through the provision of say, quality and diverse emerging technology talent, but we want to add social value. And here is where I talk about inclusion with purpose, because I think that companies must focus on social value. And, and, you know, what is that social value? I think supporting, nurturing talent, tackling inequality in, in three areas, really, 
in literacy, in skills, in employment. You know, so you're training them, you're upskilling them, and you're employing them in all of those things. That is the true mission uh, that one has to really focus on. And if you can have partners that you work with, and that might be suppliers, that might be clients, have that same purpose, it works really well. So it is inclusion, not just diversity and not just inclusion for the sake of, again, meeting your quotas or meeting your targets, but with the purpose to bring in that diverse talent, upskill them, grow them, give them opportunity to grow within the business. And suddenly you will not have to consciously look at your quota and say, oh, my target is that the middle managers 50% need to be female, you'll find that that's happening because you've actually nurtured that talent. You've given them that opportunity, that upskilling, that training, that helping them out. That's where you're bringing them. There's a topic that these days, which is talked about quite a lot, which is uh, menopause. And, you know, why has it become such an important topic? Because all of a sudden, people are finding that their senior, you know, 50 plus women senior managers are suddenly facing a big health issue. And let's address that health issue because otherwise you will start to lose that talent. Let's support them. Let's help them. Let's help them be healthy during that time and let's support them through that process. Because by doing that, guess what? All of a sudden you're meeting your target and your quota of senior managers who are of a certain gender. So there are little things that we all need to do to not just bring that talent in. That's the first point of call. But there is a lot to do to keep going, to make sure. And then, you know, government has targets on if you're a listed company, how many women you need to have on the board. You know what? That will happen organically. While what's happening right now is people are hiring in female senior leaders, senior managers. They're hiring them in because they're realizing, oh, my gosh, we haven't been able to promote all these wonderful women. So we'll just hire somebody in. But you don't need to. You nurture your talent internally and organically, suddenly you'll find you don't have to worry about those things. It's happening. You know what I love about that? I think it's that you need to find your why. Again, everyone can agree on a conceptual level that diversity and inclusion is important, but finding the why for your specific company or for you personally is going to make both the work itself much more enjoyable, much more important, much easier, and just more aligned. I think. Something that I will take with me is defining like, why is this important for us to make sure that we actually stick to it and it's not just a tick in the box. Exactly. And I think if I can just add to that one more point, it's as that happens and as you have more senior managers, leaders, you know, as you have a diversity on your board, there are other people within the company who will automatically think, well, this is possible. You know, very famous saying again, you can't be what you can't see. If they can see a woman of color, female woman of color, mother of three, that's I have three children, mother of three is on the board. You know, there are some entry level, amazing women who think or returning to work mothers who think, but well, this is possible. It's possible in this company. It's possible in Sparta Global. And suddenly role models, you know, having those role models to show people that we're not just talking about it. We have this within our company and it's possible for you. It's absolutely possible. Yeah. Representation matters. What are you most proud about when it comes to the recruitment process at Sparta? I think, you know, we feel, and I use this word often, I'm not passionate about what I do at Sparta. I'm obsessed. And I think it is 
it makes me so very proud to be part of that company that is got a mission. It's got a mission to not just transform the lives of young people, to transform the lives of women returners, to transform the lives of people who did not otherwise think they had an opportunity in tech. We have career changers. You know, we've got a couple of people who used to be Uber drivers. There was a fisherman who came and decided to train and then become, you know, go into tech. And I just feel, and it it absolutely raises the hair on the back of my head. And I'll tell you a really good story. I was in the tube the other day and somebody knocked me on my shoulder and he said, oh, you know, I'm a Spartan. Do you remember me? We have a thousand Spartans. So I felt really bad. And I said, oh, no, just remind me. And he had come to us and is a young trainee with a background from a third tier university in history and really wanted to get into tech everywhere. He got the same answer. You don't have computer engineering degree. You don't have any experience. And he's gone through our training process, worked for us for two years, uh, worked for a government agency. A part of that final project was with one of the big five consultancies, and they've taken him on permanently. And he said, I'm now working for a big five consultancy. I would have never dreamt about it. And he is, uh, you know, explained to me he's one of six children, single mother living in a council estate. And I said, that's amazing. Your mother must be so proud. And he said, yeah, the only problem is she's so proud. She's throwing a party. She's decided to call the whole council estate to do it. And he said, and I'm paying for it. So just stories like that, that is what makes me so proud of what we do at Sparta Global. So happy because we're focusing not just on our people. We're focusing on our communities. We're focusing on the wider planet, as I call it. We need to think about all of those things now. If you want to be, you know, these are not good to have in the business anymore. These are business imperatives. And we have really put that purpose on top of everything we do. And I think that's goosebumps. If there's like one change or adaptation that you would recommend other companies to make regarding their hiring process or their EDI work, or, you know, we've discussed culture fit, culture add. What would you recommend organizations doing to improve? I think start at the very bottom. To me, bring in that diverse group of talent and nurture them. Bring them from the beginning, upskill them, help them, nurture them. And you will see that diversity will not be an issue, will not be a conversation because that's what you will have because you've actually nurtured that group of people. So to me, it's about starting right at the bottom. Grow that diverse talent pipeline. What you're doing is basically growing your future talent leaders. What you're actually doing is really answering that future workforce question, that future diverse workforce question. Start right at the bottom. I think that's a fantastic way to end a fantastic episode. Pranima, it was so inspiring to listen to you and to hear about the work that you've done at Sparta Global. Thank you so much for joining How We Hire. I hope we can invite you back again soon, but thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me, Linnea. I've listened to so many of your episodes and they are absolutely worth listening to. And they are, they are all inspiring. There are so many people out there who have such nice and important things to say. So thank you for making it happen. Well, thank you. And to our listeners, hope you will join us for our next episode. And until then, take care.